You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're joined today by Mike Santagata at Bengals Sands on Twitter as we dive in to the Kansas City Chiefs' loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in Arrowhead Stadium, getting into the film and finding the big takeaways, the things that maybe weren't so obvious from the initial viewing. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow and how he played and how he continues to be a very good quarterback, especially when it comes to maneuvering the pocket looking like that LSU Burrow from 2019. We're going to talk about the offensive line and its issues and how that's impacted the Cincinnati Bengals offense. And then we talked a lot about the defense on yesterday's show. We were joined by Joe Goodberry. And what the Bengals did on defense against the Kansas City Chiefs was really interesting. We're going to get back into that to finish up the show today. But Mike, we're starting with Joe Burrow. To James's chagrin, to, to his discontent. We didn't talk enough about Joe Burrow yesterday, and he's right. Joe Burrow is still the, the engine that makes this team go. He's not necessarily played a perfect game against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, but in the clutch, some of the biggest plays in this game came from Joe Burrow's legs and his rushing ability and his general pocket management. What did you see when you saw Burrow dealing with a high degree of pressure and this time taking one sack instead of the nine that he took against the Titans. Everybody's all talking about the play from Chris with Burrow and Chris Jones, where he escapes while Jones basically has him in like a headlock. And then Jones dives and he lifts his feet up perfectly to escape the sack. And that was not the only time he did something like that. That was just the most um, exaggerated example of what he was doing the entire game because the offensive line, had issues the entire game. It wasn't that wasn't the only time Chris Jones got into the backfield. It wasn't the only time he beat Hakeem and Energy or Jackson Carmen. He was getting in, he was getting into the pocket, getting in Burroughs' face constantly. And Burroughs just stylistically, he just reminds me so much because I, I sometimes when I talk about pocket movement, I talk about Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is very much the very slight pocket mover where it's just like a small step. I feel like with Burrow, he does that a little bit, but he does also really like to do a little bit of a big step uh, and then step up and run out. Tom Brady's not running. Even when he sees two man, he's not really running very often. He gets like two of those a year. <laughs> so Burrow's the type that will take that and run and, he just had such a great feel this past week for when the rush was getting there, um, where it was coming from, and when they played uh, two-man specifically. That against cover one, it's less useful to run because there's a linebacker or a safety that has their eyes on the quarterback nearby um, and coming downhill. So against two-man, though, they're all the way back 20 yards. So you've got free, free room to run. And then also against match coverages as well. Uh, which just means it's zone essentially. And then it becomes man to man and they all switch responsibilities. It's cool to watch. Uh, but anyway, long way to say that he reminds me a lot of Tony Romo stylistically with his pocket movement and his running. And I've said that for a, a, a while on my Twitter and stuff, but yeah, this game was the perfect example because he's, 
he's not just making small movements to make the throw, but he's making these big movements to make a run to uh, extend a play, keep keep the play alive for just a second. And everybody always talks about you know making something happen out of nothing as a quarterback. And I mean, the perfect example was in this past week where it felt like forty percent of the pass plays or so there was pressure and you just don't notice it when the quarterback is as good at avoiding it as Joe Burrow. Yeah. The, the one play, cause you mentioned it, it wasn't just the, the third and six play that deserves a ton of praise and got a ton of praise. The one that stood out to me uh, going back was the, the pass to chase where he gets away. And Zach said it was his favorite play. He called one of his favorite plays. He was dying to call it and it blew up in his face. <laughs> Didn't work well, but Burrow made him look good. Right. And, and made uh, the offense look good. And, and that's the example. I mean, that's a huge play. I believe that was on their touchdown drive where they ultimately score and tie the game. Um, or, or no, that, that was the one where they, not where they score and tie the game. That was the, the field goal drive, I believe where they cut it to a one score game either way. Uh, the fact that he he was able to find Chase, get Chase into a bit of a rhythm because it wasn't like Chase was being used a ton, um, certainly stood out to me on, on rewatch is, is a play that uh, not shifted momentum, but certainly made a difference uh, outside of those runs that you mentioned. Yeah, and that was a play that same idea where he could have taken off and run, but he's the type that likes to keep his eyes downfield. He likes to, when he's rolling out to extend a play and try to find the passing, the passing lane. Cause you know, you know, that's going to be the bigger gain as fa- even though Burrow is probably like a four, I'm just going to spitball a four, seven ish athlete. Probably he's fast enough that he'll burn you on defense. He's not, I, I wanted to say Matt Ryan there, but I think I've seen Matt Ryan run before. And I think he's slightly faster. I think he's not Philip Rivers or Tom Brady or any of those guys. He's faster. He's faster than Matt Ryan. He's he's a good athlete. He's just not like a Lamar Jackson. He's like the next step down uh, where a lot of these quarterbacks are starting to come in as athletes. And that's, that's the beauty of having a guy like that um, where he has the pocket presence to avoid the rush. And then everything breaks down and he has the, uh, athleticism to be able to run away and like you mentioned getting chase involved super important because they were doing i said i didn't think they're gonna change much they changed a little bit and they they were really trying to take away jamar chase as we saw and uh credit to spagnolo for doing that and uh i think it messed with them a little bit in the first half and getting him involved with one of by extending the play and everything breaks down the entire defensive plans toast now because the play has been extended and you get the ball to your best player. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's good football. What do you think the difference is from game to game for Burrow when it comes to pressure to sack stuff? Do you think it's just a type of pressure that he's getting where the pressure is coming from? Do you think it's something in the way he's playing? Because it seems very calculated. Maybe it's just the coverages, right? Maybe it's when teams are sitting back in zone, they have eyes on the quarterback. He's not as uh, he's not prioritizing the running lanes as much or, or thinking about escaping as much. Do, do you think that it's, it's probably a combination of those things, I guess, because the chiefs were turning their back on him a little bit more. And it sounds like they were expecting that, but what, what are your thoughts on what the determining factor of the difference is on the games where he's getting sacked, like 40% of his pressure versus the games where he's getting sacked on 10% of his pressures. To me, it starts with yes, zone versus man is a big one and match versus just straight zone. Um, 
because you get the eyes on the quarterback type thing. But what I really think it is, is when they run creepers and stunts. And I think that just gets him because he knows the designated pass rush lanes and he knows the general feel for guys crossing my face. I step right. But when they run a stunt, that's what they want you to do because they have taken your tackle and even if he passes it off perfectly, he's closer to the quarterback than he normally would be because of the slant bringing him in. And uh, so we bring the, the slant brings him in. He goes to take the looper and Burrow sees the slanter. And especially when it's the, the Bengals right guards who haven't been playing very well and they let the pressure get back and right into his face. He might avoid that initial guy with a step to his right but then that leaves open the edge where the looper is coming around. So now he's stepping into the pressure and I think stunts a little bit, get him and they take away what I think is one of his best abilities in his pocket movement. And then I think those creepers do a little bit as well, where it's a four man rush, but he feels the guy coming. And I mean, <laughs> the offensive line does a bad job picking those up too, because you get the, they've done, they've given up free runners in the B and a gap. That's just not something you could do. Uh, you can avoid a guy that is beating your offensive lineman like a drum, but if the, your offensive lineman's not even getting in his way, that becomes an impossible ask. We're going to continue this conversation and focus on the offensive line. Will the Bengals be able to get in the way of Aaron Donald? We'll, uh, we'll ask Sands that next. But I have to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered for Super Bowl 56. They have you covered for all things NFL and you need to get there right now. betonline.net with more props, odds and lines than ever before. And yeah, the big game is in a couple of weeks. So check them out right now. betonline.net because they have all of your sports wagering in one spot. It's easy to use. I've used them. Had a little um tease, tease the Bengals, tease the 49ers easy money. You can do the same betonline.net ahead of the big game, or maybe it's pro and college hoops, NBA, boxing, UFC, anything and everything in between betonline.net has you covered. So don't wait to take advantage of this opportunity. Go there, betonline.net, betonline, where the game starts. Staying on the topic of offense here, James and, and Mike, Let's talk about this offensive line some more. We talked about, you know, the the way that Joe Burrow reacts to different kinds of pressures. And I think that's something that'll be interesting to do a retrospective on after the season, go back and look at a lot of his pressures and, and the different ways those pressures came. Look at what the coverages are. It sounds like a really fun little charting project to me, Mike. But uh, that that's for another day because the Bengals still have to play football and they still have to find ways to adapt their offense to what they're getting on the offensive line. Obviously, right guard is a mess. We talked about it a little bit. Maybe it was after we recorded yesterday. Hakeem Adenergy and, and Jackson Carmen apparently rotated as was planned, according to offensive coordinator Brian Callahan and head coach Zach Taylor. Didn't go well for either of them. For, from what I from what PFF charted. Jackson Carmen's given up six pressures in 21 pass protection snaps this postseason. Six out of 21. Hakeem Adenergy, that, that's a, a 15% pressure rate allowed. Hakeem Adenergy allowing pressure is closer to 5% of the time on his larger sample size of pass pro snaps. So whatever it was for Jackson Carmen, the, the coffee cup of snaps didn't seem to work well. But for me, Mike, the, the bigger concern isn't necessarily 
how Burrow reacts to pressure or how many sacks he takes. Because I think that we've seen that depending on the way that pressure arises, his understanding of what he's getting from the defense, the kind of coverages that are being played, he can deal with it. But to me, the, the passing offense has changed dramatically in the playoffs. The intermediate game for the Bengals seems to have all but disappeared because it takes a little bit longer to develop. When you take those deep vertical shots, it's generally one, two, three, throw. When you're throwing underneath, it's, it's catch and throw or one, two, three, throw. On the intermediate stuff, sometimes it's a five-step drop. Sometimes you have to take a couple hitches and wait for stuff to get into its windows. How have you seen the offense change and, and try to hide its offensive line? Because I really believe they have tried to do this in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the Chiefs game, I remember going into it and I thought they love playing Tampa 2. Different variations, but Tampa 2. And no matter how they play it, who goes where, something that beats it, dagger. And that's something that the Bengals were running before the playoffs and then they didn't run it like at all i don't think that maybe i can go back and find one snap but you almost never saw it and even though the chiefs did play plenty of tampa two for them to run it or even just different coverages works it's it's a pretty universal concept it doesn't work against two man shouldn't work against two man it worked against the 49ers two man <laughs> but that was just a great job by t um so i but thinking about it now, it's like, okay, but that's a five-step, not just a five-step, but a five-step, and you usually have to take one hitch. Uh, it's five-step and a hitch, and sometimes Burrow gets funky with that, and he likes to open up if they try to play a zone, and he kind of turns his shoulders or kind of gives a little pump outside for his hitch instead of just a normal little hitch, <laughs> which open up the curl defender, open up that window, make it an easier throw for yourself. But yeah, that's five and a hitch. And if you're talking about guys against Chris Jones who were getting beat Probably by the time he finished a five-step drop, you don't have time to make the hitch and throw, and you also have to be able to drive that ball, so you can't step into it with interior pressure. All that culminates in a, well, let's just not run that one. <laughs> let's If we're going to attack the middle of the field, we're going to run dragon, we're going to run maybe a, a stick, maybe, just all these quick hitters, these three steps, uh, because no matter how good you are, even Aaron Donald, I hope I don't eat these words somehow, probably can't get home on a three-step and the ball's out. Now, if it's a three-step and a hitch, uh, yes. But a quick three-step ball's out, I mean, he has to get unblocked. Because as long as the guy is just in his way, even if it's just for half a second, it's probably long enough for him to get a three-step dropout. And um, that's what they've kind of gone to. And I think they just realize we can't put our quarterback at risk in the playoffs. And because the pressure is going to take away the concept. It's not going to be the coverage, but the pressure will any of these five-step drops. And you can run a go ball on a three-step drop. You could run. Um, that's really the only vertical shot I can think of off the top of my head. They can run a three-step drop, but man, this is a really good go ball team. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it does feel like they've been limited some. Um, and that's why like looking back at my prediction, right. And I got it right. The Bengals win, but 41 points. Not, not if you're you're limited like that, in especially you know passing wise. So, uh, let me ask you this: as far as passing goes, and we can dive into more next week about how uh, you know they can slow down Aaron Donald and all of these things. But is there in a one game format now? I mean, it's not like you advance to the next. There is no next round, and obviously you want the play to succeed. But do you think they can be a little more 
aggressive potentially, or is it just Aaron Donald's there? There's no shot it's going to work. We just have to avoid this completely. I think you you're, you might have to get to it eventually, especially you start running a two minute drill, and you just you can't run a two minute drill on quick game and go balls. <laughs> if they just play, uh, if if they just are able to take away the go ball with the safety over the top, and they take away the quick game by getting on it quick, quick, and the intermediate's <laughs> open, you kind of have to make that shot. And I mean, there's ways to get there. You can try to get in these six and seven man protections just to go at the intermediate intermediate area of the field. This isn't to go deep down the field with some double posts and double moves. It's just so you could run dagger. You got to run seven man protection, but that's just the reality of the offensive line. And um, I think they might have to get to it if they do. I don't care what front it is. You slide that center over to Aaron Donald and you, you get a double team there. And because you, I think personally, you should probably be able to get a five-step drop off with a double team and probably even maybe I'm overestimating a five-step and a hitch against, if you give a double team might be wrong. (laughs) It is Aaron Donald, but uh, if you're going to devote multiple offensive linemen to him, you might be able to get it off. Now they've got Von Miller, they've got Leonard Floyd. So you're probably gonna need a chip over there. And maybe you leave the running back as just a roadblock for Aaron Donald to just run over on his way there, <laughs> you know, instead of looking for the linebacker, if he doesn't come, he doesn't go out in the route. He just stands there and gets ready to get mauled. I don't know. It takes a cut block at him. So he has to jump and slow down. I don't know. There's ways to get to the intermediate of the field. There's ways to get to these five-step drops. It's not going to look as pretty as we might want, but you might need to do it. Um, I know that the quick game has been kind of what they've gone to and these mm-hmm. uh, go balls, which they're great at, they've gone to those, but I just, you might have to get to it and you have to find a way to be able to get to it. They, yeah, you're, you're right. They're going to have to do it in certain situations. You you know, the, the, the interesting thing for me is going to be, do they try to do it maybe when the defense isn't expecting it? And And so I look back at first downs in this game. Right. And we've talked about this a lot. A lot of first down heavy, a lot of first down runs, play action back to the line of scrimmage didn't go all that well. Is that an area where there's perhaps some some room to catch the Rams off guard if, if we start using or, or sorry, if, if the Bengals start using their first down plays as, as more of a change of pace, do you think? Yeah, I think first down is kind of the time where you can take that shot and Heck, I don't care. First down, uh, third and one, even if they're really keyed in on the run, I don't care. I'm sliding that center to Aaron Donald, even if he's a four tech, <laughs> if he's a five tech. Uh, but um, yeah, you can get there on first down because obviously I think as everybody who, who's listening probably knows, it's just when you're in a third and eight plus, we'll just call it that. That's a pass down. They're not running the ball. And if they do run the ball and you drop off and you rush your pass, you get your pass rush way downfield, they're probably not picking up eight yards. You've got linebackers there to that have eyes on the running back to be able to come up and make the play. So all that to say, first down pass. I think that's a I think that's a good time to try to get into the first down, uh, the five steps, five steps and hitch, the intermediate, Ooh. the little bit longer developing stuff. Uh, let a, yeah. let Joe Burrow cook. Um, the thing is, uh, I think they also like those first down runs because it, <laughs> it's, uh, I think this is the game you could abandon those runs a little bit, but I think they kind of like them because they're like, let's get Burrow hit like five less times this game, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the balance and that's what sucks. And that's why, you know, when we get to this phase of, uh, you know, get, get to off season talk, we'll be talking about uh, protecting borough and, crazy hypotheticals and stuff that hopefully isn't crazy, but uh, we got to switch gears. We got to talk about Lou Anarumo because you were really excited about what Lou did uh, Sands. And so uh, in it, Bengals fans should be, everybody should be right. So let's, uh, let's dive into that next. But first I have to tell you about something. Let's be honest here. I'm excited about all the time. Something Lou Anarumo probably fed his defense before they went out there and beat the hell out of Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the AFC title game. It's built bar the number one protein bar on the planet. And it doesn't matter if it's this caramel apple delight that I have right here, maybe this blueberry muffin, whatever flavor you're thinking about, uh, there's going to be one that Built Bar has that says that says to you, it speaks to you. And the best part about Built Bars, it's not the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate or that they taste great. It's the macros. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So whether you're a weekend warrior that's just trying to stay in shape at the gym. Maybe you just need a healthy midday snack. Built Bar is perfect for you. So check them out right now at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Luana Rumo, this applies to you too. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Real quick, before we go to the defense, want to quickly shout out Trey Hopkins, Mike, because you're talking about, yeah, slide the center. Slide the center. And people might be thinking about early season Trey Hopkins when he wasn't recovered. Since week nine, Trey Hopkins has given up pressure like 1% of the time. He's been right up there with with the really good centers in the NFL in terms of pressure rate. Go ahead, James. And, and no, and the beauty of this is he has another week to rest. Like guys like that, like he's already feeling good. Well, now body-wise, he should be feeling really good going into that game. Yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of guys getting rest, hoping all the best for CJ Uzama. Official word, by the way, just really quick. I know we said defense here. Auden Tate not coming off the IR. The deadline was uh, Tuesday, and the Bengals did not activate him. So if you're looking for Auden Tate, the tight end, uh, you'll probably have to look on a different team next year, quite frankly, at this point. But defense. Mike, the, the Bengals did something pretty cool in the second half. We talked about it a little bit yesterday with Joe, a lot of drop eight stuff. But the, the most interesting thing to me about what Lou Anarumo did, mad scientist Lou Anarumo, galaxy brain Lou Anarumo, whatever you want to call him. I think James had another nickname for him yesterday. I don't remember what it was. It was pretty good, though. What was it, James? Well, you got Houdini. The Bengals got Lou Dini, baby. There it, there it is. Lou Dini. Print the shirts and... Uh, yeah, I'm trademarking that. So don't you dare try to steal money, money, anything, or any other nicknames from me. Lou Dini. Go ahead. Mad chemist Lou Dini. Mixing Lou things Dini. up on, on the defense over there. What was most interesting to me, though, Mike, but where, where I was going was was they they beat the Chiefs in the second half playing a lot of single high. And coming into this game, and even in the first half of this game, it was, oh, yeah, the Bengals, oh, they went single high. They gave up a 50-yard play. And you can't single high Patrick Mahomes. What what worked? Why did it work against Patrick Mahomes? Now, the thing is, this is going to be me with the uh, explaining the mad science here. When you devote eight guys to the coverage as your resources, uh, because really you have 11 guys. That's that's your, you have, let's take in mind, you have 11 resources on defense. And normally you've got seven back and four rushing the passer. Well, if you just don't care about the run game, which they didn't, they were giving up runs left and right. And they just, they just, 
said it out on the table. They said, you're not going to beat us consistently running the ball. And it's not because you can't. It's because you won't. <laughs> and they were right. They were matching 11 personnel with seven defensive backs. So they devoted eight guys to the coverage. That adds an extra person you can put into this coverage. And what they did here, instead of, because what you want with the two high is that no matter if Tyreek Hill goes left, right, wherever he goes, there's a safety over the top. Well, what they did was they took one of those safeties and they're playing single high. And that guy's like 25 yards back. They've, they played one robber almost exclusively. Uh, they played some three week buzz, but they're always dropping him away from the passing strength. And why they do that is because a, they don't really run Tyree kill. This is almost sounds counterintuitive, but it's a tendency. They don't run Tyree kill on outside go balls. I, even though he's super fast, what they like to do is they like to get him over the middle of the field where he gets the yak opportunities too on what I call a bender from uh, number three, the most inside receiver in a trip. So you got the outside guy, the next guy, and then you have Tyree kill and he runs up and over and why that sucks versus single high is because if that safety nails down on him, there's usually another guy going behind him or they have eye candy in front of it to hold him or Tyreek Hill's just faster than whoever's covering him. But now you're playing cover one, which is man to man coverage. You so you have a guy man to man on Tyreek Hill and then you're playing one robber coming from the weak side. So when he goes away from the passing strength right into that defender, you've got a guy taking with great leverage and then you have a safety over the top if he tries to do anything funky and uh, improv his way out of it because he sees, oh, crap, Von Bell it has a 15-yard head start on me, and I don't care how fast I am. It's going to take me more than half a second to do this, so I can't get open. And it just that took away their best weapon. And then their next best weapon, who's a Hall of Fame tight end, what they constantly did was on the drop eight, they dropped the end to his side. So if he's on anything quick, the that end is in the window. And you saw this on the BJ Hill interception, right? It's an RPO. It's a, a stick flat RPO. And they've got, I believe, Travis Kelsey on the stick. The end, Hendrickson drops, and this is why Mahomes is going, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, and triple clutches the ball because he didn't see that coming. There's a blitz coming from the other side, actually. This was a creeper, so it's a bad example a little bit. But uh, So that's coming, so he can't hold on to the ball, and also you get an ineligible man downfield. If they ever call that on RPOs, these guys are like 10 yards downfield, and the rest don't care. Um, so he's triple clutching. He just fires it anyway, when you should really just turf that. Uh, he fires it anyway. BJ Hill picks it off, but Trey Hendrickson's right there because what they did almost every time, they had Trey Flowers, man-to-man, and Travis Kelsey. They annoyed Travis Kelsey by getting a big guy right in his face to bother him on the immediate part of his route. And then they've also got that safety dropping to his side. So not only is that safety dropping to his side, you've got the uh, the hook the hook defender that's dropping off of the line there. You've got the safety dropping that's really there to take away Tyree Kill's bender, but he's also there to annoy Travis Kelsey. And then you've got a guy that's going to really get physical with Travis Kelsey. And what you did was, okay, beat us with Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman, and we're going to have Chidobe Awuzie on one of those guys sometimes. And we'll put Mike Hilton on those guys sometimes because we've got – your best weapons double and triple cover. You got five resources spent on those guys and you still have enough resources to cover the other three. That's what's awesome about his game plan to me. It's, it's just sometimes like I was a spy too, but we can get into that in a second, but that's what was so awesome about it is that the whole reason playing too high is that you have numbers over both sides and no matter what they do, you're over the top, you're keeping everything in front of you. They did that 
and they close the middle of the field off with a post safety. It's so cool. It's it's just so cool. Two things. First one, um, Chiefs offseason priority list. Go get a real receiver, you know, that <laughs> outside of those two guys. Seriously, right? I mean, because then that, that throws a whole wrench into the plan if you have uh, a 1A type guy. Um, two, and, and I guess you could say that about any offense, right? Every offense would love another option like that. But uh, two, uh, you mentioned dropping the, the ends back. And I, I first noticed this, I, and Hendrickson's done it, and you would know this better than I would, but Hendrickson's done it, I've noticed that. But Hubbard, uh, how did he do? Because obviously in the fourth quarter, he shined very, very bright in critical situations, had the forced fumble, um, all of that. But Hubbard, to me, popped off. And it seems like against these like athletic quarterbacks, and he had a really good game against Baltimore. Like he he fares pretty damn well uh, against them and, and really shines bright. Like in the open field when he needs to make a play, it seems like he's able to make it. What do you think about his performance? Yeah, as much as Jake has loved Josh Tupa for the open field tackle on Lamar Jackson, he should he should have three Hubbard jerseys for what he does in the yeah, open field. Yeah, he should. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, Jake. The awesome Hubbard thing. Season. The awesome thing about what Hub, Hubbard does is that he would drop into the passing window. This specifically sticks out on the strip sack. He drops into the passing window where Travis Kelsey immediately is. And so Mahomes goes, I can't throw it. And then the coverage takes everything away. And then Mahomes goes, okay, I'm going to go scramble to create something. And the second he gets outside of the tackle box, Hubbard triggers and he's sprinting right at him. And Mahomes is trying to do the thing he did to the bills, left, right, shimmy, try to just get him to move and, Hubbard plays against Lamar Jackson, man, <laughs> twice a year. <laughs> Mahomes shimmies don't do as much to a guy that faces Lamar, you know? So he exactly just keeps right, running yeah. right at him, and he takes him down for a strip sack. That could have been the end of the game. That would have been the clutch play to end the game if Joe Tooney wasn't so aware of what just happened. And, man, he was doing that all game. He was playing spy. He When he dropped, he just played an awesome spy as well. So credit to Sam Hubbard. He had a heck of a game. So, so I need a, a Sam Hubbard jersey, and I need a That's Why You Draft Kickers t-shirt, and uh, we got to get a picture of me wearing a That's Why You Draft Kickers t-shirt beside Evan McPherson on Radio Row, is what I'm hearing. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then so. we got to get we got to get Sands a Ludini shirt just because he was so <laughs> blown away. Man, we're, we're going to have to print a lot of shirts, man. We, we got a lot of shirts to do. Ooh. All right. Very good. Very good. Mike, anything else you want to hit on this defense real quick before before we get out of here and shift our focus to the Los Angeles Rams? <laughs> I will just I will just say that drop eight coverage doesn't work as well if Trey Hendrickson isn't kicking butt <laughs> on the other side. So sure. like if 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 they're getting no pressure and Mahomes can just stand in the pocket and I mean sometimes he did it to himself, but when Hendrickson is winning <laughs> on a three-man rush off the outside i mean that's just perfect right he had a sack on a three-man rush that's on i think it was on a third down too he comes off the edge he beats orlando brown clean and it was by the time mahomes finished his drop hendrickson's back there to get the stack and heck awesome play and just we all talked about his motor and his motor sacks and whatever so that was a negative on that 15 second play where he chases him out of bounds. I mean, that's just awesome stuff. That's Legitimately a 15 was. second play. Like yes. 15 seconds went off the clock. It was insane. He he was dancing around in the backfield. And he did that a lot. And to your point, Mike, sorry, James, real quick. I just want to no, get this okay. in. The, the pick he threw at the end of the game in overtime, he wasn't pressured. He, he, he just, it was a three man rush and, and he had time 
And he's just like, I'm going to throw it to Tyree Kill. And, and that's, I think, part of playing on the tendencies you're talking about. They're playing on Patrick Mahomes. And, and this was the the idea of all these two high coverages. It's like, keep the ball in front of him, and, and he's going to eventually force it. And, and if you stay patient, he'll eventually give you opportunities. And and he gave him a couple on that overtime drive, and they, they came up with the big play. James, you were going to jump in. Yeah, um, Hendrickson runs Mahomes out of bounds. And at that moment, I was like, man, what an idiot for going out of bounds. Yeah. And I don't think if, if, if he's being pursued because the clock was such a factor then, if he w- wasn't being pursued that heavily by Hendrickson, I bet he would have stopped and realized I need to slide and stay in bounds. But I also wouldn't want to get hit by 91 either. So so he dives out of bounds and it's like, okay, well, if they do score a touchdown, the Bengals might have a little time. It was, uh, it was very uh, not not the right time to do that. It was, it was a bad timing for, for Patrick Mahomes. And then obviously Sam Hubbard happened and they were forced to settle for a field goal. The Bengals got the chiefs a couple times on that last drive to run out of bounds with, with good pursuit. And I yep. thought that, I thought that was going to be a massive factor. Didn't end up mattering. The chiefs kicked the field goal with time expiring, but uh, credit the Bengals for getting chiefs runners to go out of bounds when they want to keep, keep the clock running. We're going to be back again tomorrow. That's it for our film review of the Chiefs game. We'll probably talk a little bit more about some lessons learned from the Bengals playoff journey to this point as it informs the matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. But I do think the Rams present a bit of a different challenge. We're going to start to shift our focus then toward the Super Bowl. A few more shows this week before James and I descend upon Los Angeles and all of the media events that will be going on next week out there. Really excited for that coverage. Mike, appreciate it. And we might talk to you again next week. Might do a little bit of a film preview. We'll see what what our time permits. But love having you on to talk Bengals film. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.